All right, good morning everybody. Want to welcome you once again to our Sunday morning digital cathedral here in beautiful Houston, Texas. Good to have you with us today from uh, around the country and around the world, I guess. We have people from several nations that catch us either um, right at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning or if you're in Australia, actually Monday morning. So good to have you with us. If you've been with me any length of time, I think that you've probably come to the conclusion that I've come to, and that is that everything that God does for us, everything the Father does for the sons and the daughters, He does through grace. That word grace is such an awesome word. It's such a big word and encompasses so much. And we can define it a lot of different ways. Really, when you look at grace, you have to say that it, from the Father's perspective, it's an influence. Grace is an influence. Uh, an influence has a capacity to change. You know, when you influence something, you're doing it with the idea that that influence is going to bring a change. And so the influence that God brings to us through grace does influence a change in us. And the change that it affects in us always leads us to a place where we are more conformed to the image of Christ. And while he's doing that within us, as we're, we're resting in him, which is the only thing that he asks us to do, as he, as he works that change in us, it comes to us effortlessly. And that's why I say the only thing that he really asks is to interfere with the process. You just rest in him. So grace really is an influence that produces an effortless change as we rest in him. I like to think of it as this. Grace is the gasoline, really, that drives and empowers the kingdom engine. And if we don't have grace in the kingdom engine, then we, our life sputters and we come back to this whole thing of, of trying to make it on effort. Or we could really say that grace is the electricity that lights the bulb of revelation. And until the spirit of truth flips that switch of revelation in our life, we really remain in, in darkness for the most part. Or we might learn some things through study and education, which I'm all for. But the real change that comes to us, the real influence that affects that godly change that conforms us into the image of Christ, always comes by grace. In fact, the Bible says, I think it's John chapter 1, verse 14, that Jesus came full of grace and truth. It was grace that led Jesus into all truth. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and here we go, and in favor with God and man. It was grace that led Jesus into everything that he needed to be led into. And it's grace also that leads us into all truth. You say, well, I thought it was the spirit of truth that leads us into all truth. And I'd say, well, that's absolutely right. But the spirit of truth always works through grace. He always works through this influence. <clears throat> he never forces you into anything. He influences you. I know some of you are real strong on free will, and that's fine. I, I happen to think that... Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, isn't really concerned about free will because He's concerned with influence. What he really does is influence us and keeps turning that dial of influence up to make a good, solid, right choice. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Grace leads us into truth. And if you look back just a few years, the first, the first bomb that dropped in this reformation that we're in was grace. It was, a, it was a hyper, radical, unfair, over-the-top grace that we began to learn about. And it was that kind of grace 
that created great change in most all of us that, that tapped into that message. Everything else that we have learned, everything else, every road that we've traveled down since we hit into that, into that vein of grace, that gold vein, has branched off of grace. <clears throat> now that doesn't mean that we ever move off of grace. In fact, grace is what leads us into more truth. And uh, I, I marvel at how the apostles caught that. Peter, James, and John as well, of course, Paul, who is the apostle of grace to the Gentiles, they all recognize the power that grace carries in our life. Peter ends up his writings in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. He ends up 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and at the very end of uh, the third chapter of 2 Peter, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. That's what we need to be doing all the time. There's not an end to this message of grace. We just continue to grow in it. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, as, as much revelation as Paul had, all the things that Paul brought to the table, unbelievable revelation. Paul, Paul sums it up in, in this way in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish the race. Now listen to him. He said that I may finish the race with joy. Now watch what he calls his ministry. This is the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, brought tremendous revelation to the Gentiles body of Christ and he says in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of grace of God of the grace of God so Paul Paul says look I've I've I've, in, I've encountered I've I've seen these mysteries these revelations unfold and they've all branched out of grace now when I look at what God's doing in the body of Christ today I think it's very obvious the big, the big sweeping change, and you'll probably hear uh, me talk about this a lot in the next few weeks, maybe even next few months, because I think it is a sweeping change. It's radical. He's bringing us, grace is bringing us fully out of soul and into spirit, right? Our whole walk, he's beginning to weed out every, every uh, root of soulish activity in our life, and he's transitioning us into a walk of spirit. So we're, we're in a day right now when uh, the dimension of spirit is swallowing up soul. All soulish activity is being swallowed up by spirit. In fact, I, when, I, when I visualize it, I see that soul and spirit are finally coming together as one. We're not looking at a dichotomy anymore of soulish activity, spirit activity. He's actually, he's actually bringing the two together and spirit is now taking its rightful place as the master and soul as the servant. Most of us, the opposite for years and years. It was our soul that was the master, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our logic, our, our, our red, our, you know, conclusions that we would come to by data that's fed to us by our five physical sentences. And the spirit kind of, kind of bowed its knee to what we thought logically or soulishly. Well, that, that whole script has flipped. And now it's the spirit that is taking precedent. In uh, fact, Paul told the church at Thessalonica, he said, I pray that your whole being, spirit, and he lines it out in priority, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the day of Jesus Christ. So we're seeing, we're seeing a whole new world open up and it's a world of grace. Grace is awakening us as we move from, from soul into spirit. He's awakening us. He's awakening every son and daughter 
to a world that for the most part we have been un totally unaware of. And we've been uh, unaware of it because we couldn't see it. Because we were soulishly led and couldn't see it, we dismissed it. it and I don't think it was a, an intentional dismissal. It was just that we weren't traveling in that vein. Now he's bringing us into a vein when we're beginning to see things we never saw before. For example, up until now, I don't think we ever, we ever um, considered what the cloud of witnesses meant to us or the angels that came and ministered to Jesus after 40 days of fasting. Or how about the angels that came in and fed Elijah. They came in the, in the form of birds, but it was the angels that actually fed Elijah. Or how about the angels that came and freed Paul out of prison when he was uh, uh, incarcerated and all he was doing was singing praises to God. He wasn't praying. He wasn't binding the devil. He was just ministering to the Lord and angels came and ministered to him and, and released him. So there's an entire world that we haven't seen that's been in another dimension that we've kind of kind of set on the back shelf because it wasn't visible and, and, and we were controlled by our soulish activities. Now he's changing that. The world of spirit has always been there. It's just that we didn't have much of a clue about it. So the Father now is unveiling it to us. We're beginning to see it. We're beginning to see things by spirit that we never saw before. And this is what the prophet Joel prophesied way back in the Old Testament in, uh, in Joel chapter 2. Let me read that for you because then, he, then there was an update that, uh, that actually came to it a little bit later. But let, let me read to you what Joel looked ahead and he actually saw that was coming down the road. All right. Let me just get, get right over there to it in just a minute. In uh, Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 and verse 29, he said that there's coming a time when the Spirit will be poured out upon all. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because we read the same thing in Acts chapter 2, verse, verse uh, what is it, 46 and 47, right along in there. I know it's earlier in the chapter. It must be like verses 14, 15, 16, where after the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and said, this is what you heard that was prophesied by Joel. And this is where the dimension of Spirit began to he said, in that day, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. I like that term, all flesh. And you know how big I am on the word all. All means all. It doesn't mean just Christian flesh. doesn't mean just born flesh. doesn't mean just flesh that prayed the magic prayer flesh. It means all flesh. So spirit has been poured out on all flesh. And all flesh now is becoming um, aware of a spirit dimension that they weren't aware of before. And since the day of Pentecost, it has continued, the intensity of it has continued to increase. In the 1900s, in the early 1900s, we saw a revival break out. It was called the Azusa Street Revival. And it was likened unto another Pentecost because the intensity and the pouring out of the Spirit was extremely strong. And it's kept, it's kept moving since then. In the early 70s, we encountered the charismatic renewal. And again, it seemed like the, the, the intensity and the pouring out of the Spirit has just has just accelerated. And so we're into this now in 2019, we're into this, this walk of spirit minus soul, where the soul has now come and said, I acquiesce to the spirit and what the spirit is saying and what the spirit is leading us to and what we're sensing on the inside of us, our logic and our mind is being bypassed and we're beginning to tune into that. 
Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying the last part of our soul is dropping off of us. All of that self-will, the carnal thinking, uh, being driven by our ego, those things, those things are diminishing. And, and, and they're, they're evaporating and there will come a time that they, they aren't a driving force in our life anymore. We're, and as they diminish, we're walking into this unlimited dimension of as he is, so are we in this present world. All of that fullness of as he is in this present world is sitting in our doorstep. You remember, you remember a few years ago, we read that verse now and then and it would just kind of like put us over on tilt. And some of us had a hard time even envisioning that we could be like Jesus. That was almost blasphemy in religious circles, to liken ourselves to Jesus. 1 John 4, 17, nobody spoke about 1 John 4, 17 for years and years and years. It was just one of those verses that was there, but never addressed. Then about 10, 12 years ago, that verse began to make its way to the forefront. And it made its way to the forefront because of the intensity and the move of the Spirit that is taking place. I mean, in our, in our greatest moments... In days gone by, we, we didn't think that, uh, that we could ever be like him. And yet now in our greatest moments, you know, we begin to grasp the enormity of what the Father is doing. And I don't think we have even got our head around it to this point. We don't, we don't understand fully the provision that he's released for us. And I'm not speaking about just finances. I'm speaking about spiritual food and spiritual manna and, 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 and insight and revelation. It's tapped by us like it was tapped by Jesus as we release the life and power of the spirit that is within us. So finally, the spirit that is within us now is getting a clear channel to run through. It's, it's beginning to, to work its way to the surface as the soul diminishes. Our mind power is decreasing and our spirit power is increasing. And man, this is a good day to be alive. Paul saw it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's, let's flip over there. If you have your Bible set in there, grab it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul saw this thing coming in a, in a strong wave. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul says it like this. He says, I has not seen nor has ear heard. Those are channels into the soul. Nor has it entered into the heart of man. We haven't felt it. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. But now watch what he goes on to say. So he's saying this... This dimension of the soul has not grasped it. Maybe that's why we lived in frustration for so long. Because we, we weren't capable in our soulish activity of grasping what the Spirit was doing. So Paul goes on in verse 10 and says, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the, the deep things of God. Man, that's where I want to go. I want to head into those deep things of God, don't you? So if we're going to come into the deep things of God... We can't depend on our eyes, our ears, our five physical senses to feed us the accurate data. It comes as the Spirit searches. Then he goes on in verse 11 and says, For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Then he goes on in verse 12 and says, We have not received the Spirit of the world. That's the Spirit of the five senses, the Spirit of the soul. But we have received the Spirit which is from God that we might know, that we might know, that we might know, not, not, not intellectually, not soulishly, but with, that we might know by the Spirit the things that have been freely given to us by God. 
down in verse 14, he goes on and says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He cannot know them because they're spiritually discerned. All right, what's going on today is that we're starting to spiritually discern. We're walking out of that dimension of the soul. We're coming into the place of spirit. So to the intellect, yeah, actually to the, to the intellect, the things of the spirit are not always logical. And that's where we've, 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 we've been. We've tried to figure the kingdom of God out intellectually. Come on, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. I have, I thought, Father, if you could just, if I could just get my, wrap my mind around this, if I could just, if I could just get the right book to read about the kingdom, if I could just get the right book to read on the spirit, if I could just search the scriptures out and, and come to a perfect understanding of, of scripture, I'd get it. But when you drop soul, and you begin to walk from within, you discover the ability to see and to function in truth that only comes by spirit, right? Seeing what the Father does, we do. Hearing what the Father says, we say. <clears throat> now, where, where do you pick up on that at? You pick up on it inside. You see, you see what he does. You hear what he says. This is how we co-create. What what we see him doing, we do. What we hear him say, we say. And there arises, as, as, as we do that, there arises within us this perception, this consciousness, this prompting. And it all comes without running it through the filter of the mind. That's why the soul is diminishing. He's bringing you out of soul. We're no longer running what comes from the spirit through the filter of the mind and let the mind neutralize it. Let the mind nuke it, if you will. Let the mind be kryptonite to what comes from the Spirit. That's cut us off in days gone by. It's not cutting us off anymore. We, we, we're, we're in a season of two worlds, natural and spiritual, becoming one world. It's a, it, there's a new world coming, and you're part of it. See, we, we've, we've got to become aware of what's going on within. That's the new world. The new world is the world that is within. So what I'm saying is put those inside ears on. Open those eyes that are within. Listen to what goes on. It will direct you. What goes on internally will direct you where to spend your time, where to spend your money, where to spend your energy, what to read, what not to read, what to eliminate in life. Now, as you listen within, are you going to hit it 100%? Probably not. You're going to miss it sometimes. But I want you to think about how many mistakes you made when you traveled only logically, intellectually. When you made <clears throat> decisions in your life based on what seemed to be good in your mind. How many times you make a mistake? Many times. And what did you do? You doubled down on it. You doubled down on what you thought. You doubled down intellectually. If you'd have given that same attention that you gave to your mind, to your spirit, I can guarantee you would have been farther down the road than probably you are today. When you, I will guarantee you this. When you live from within, this is important. When you live from within, you'll be free of what's going on without. You got it? That's how, that's how you're no longer controlled by circumstances and appearances. Those are all soulish. That's intellectual. That, that comes through the wrong source. 
When you start living from within, you do what you see him do. You say what you hear him say. It has this, and I can't even explain it sometimes, but it has this unbelievable effect of freeing you from things that are going on outside of you. Let, let me take this just a little bit deeper. <clears throat> let me bring this up right over into spirit. Can I do that? The veil, the blinder that separates the realm of spirit from physical actually does not, actually does, does not exist. I don't know how else to put it. This, this, this veil that we have uh, constructed does not really exist. We feel like it does because we've been unaware of this, of this realm of spirit. That's the veil. <clears throat> when Jesus died, it says in Matthew chapter 27, matter of fact, it says it in all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that when Jesus died, a couple of the Gospels <clears throat> say this happened before he died, one or two of the Gospels after, just at, at the point of death. But the veil was ripped in two. It was removed. This, our, our belief system of separation, our belief system of law has created the veil. The veil no longer exists. There's no longer a veil that hides the spirit from us. The, when, when the veil was ripped in the Holy of Holies that contained the Father, that held him in check there, he was released out. See, he's poured out. He came out. He's available. The veil does not exist. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul tells us how we still are veiled today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. Watch now. For until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. <clears throat> whenever you have, <clears throat> excuse me, whenever you have a place where law is proclaimed, where a mixture message goes out, that's where the veil comes from, even until this day. Be but when we turn to Christ, when we turn to spirit, the veil is taken away. It goes on to verse 15, says, But even to this day when Moses is read, the veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is, is absolutely taken away. So a, a veil hides, it hinders um, the sight of our spirit eyes. And it creates this, this sense of separation. But as we become aware, as our eyes are opened, all of a sudden now this veil cannot hide from us what has been there the whole time. As we turn to Christ, the veil is removed. The cloud over our spirit awareness is taken away. And it happens when we come out of soul. Every bond that you have, bond connects two things. Every bond, every soulish bond that you have that connects you to a person, a people, a doctrine, a habit, a way of life, he's cutting. He's snipping those bonds. And he's allowing you now to walk into a realm of spirit. This, this is an accelerated process. This isn't going to take years. This is an accelerated process. This, our, our, our personal vibration level is ascending until the time arises when you will see and hear by spirit as quickly as you did in that process you developed by your senses. 
You know how quick you are to judge by your senses? You look at a circumstance, you look at a situation, and you used to judge it soulishly, almost immediately. All right? Your senses, your spirit senses are going to become so finely tuned as soul diminishes, spirit increases, that by spirit you will make decisions, you'll hear. It, it will be as much a natural reaction. It won't be something you've got to sit down and get quiet and meditate and wait on God. You'll know immediately. It's, see, it's, it's about communication from the father to his sons and daughters. And this communication on some levels has been hindered by our, our, our soul. But now his soul's removed, it's opened up. It's about communication. The spirit is, is, is more than communication by words. When the spirit communicates, it's not necessarily by words. It's the transmission of energy. It's the transmission of frequency. It's a, it's a moving up of, of vibration. Spirit communication is about tuning into the right frequency. It's, it's not necessarily verbal. It's tuning in into a frequency that puts you on the same frequency with the Father. Think about it just a minute. In, inside, this, inside the digital cathedral this morning, every conceivable radio station is in this room right now. All, every radio frequency, AM, FN, M, Cirrus radio, weather, uh, weather station, sports station, talk station, weather, all of it, news, it's all here. Can we see it? No, but it's here. But you need a receiver. You need a radio to pick up a frequency that is invisible. Just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's not here. The instrument to tune us into the frequency that is already in this room. Now listen, listen to me with your spirit ears. The spirit radio, the spirit receiver lies in us. And that spirit receiver that is within us can pick up every frequency in the room. AM, FM, Cirrus. It can pick up every frequency from the Father. Now, in my, in my car, I have, a, I have a thing. I can preset my favorite stations. You know, I can, I can preset, listen, I can preset favorite unseen frequencies. And I can tune to those frequencies anytime I want. Now, what, what if Jesus radio, what if the Holy Spirit preset within you a frequency of healing and miracles, walking on water, multiplying loaves and fish? <clears throat> and what if you could turn the knob? On my, in my car, it's, there's a knob on the console, and I turn the knob, and the radio station, it's there so I don't have to, you know, you can drive and not be distracted. I can turn the knob, and it will turn the station. What if, what if Jesus preset within you a frequency of healing, of miracles, of walking on water, providing loaves and fish. What, what if he could turn the knob of preset frequency any time that you need it? Now, I have, I, in my car, I have 10, I can, I can preset 10 stations. I think I have seven preset. Now, and I can turn the knob anytime. I can, I can walk out into my car right now, start the car up, and I can turn it on. And if I want to, I just turn it, it's there. Right now, with that ability, what would you think if I went out in my car and I sat there and said, I, I'm going to pray for some 60s music. I'm just going to get real quiet. I'm going to wait on God. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I want some 60s music or, 
or uh, I'm going to fast until I have a weather station come on my radio, until it just mysteriously shows up. Or I, I, I may be forced to call the prayer chain so I can get Soul Town, one of my favorite stations. I can get Soul Town on Sirius Radio. Do you know what? I could pray, I could fast, I could call the prayer chain to agree with me to get that radio station on. And I can tell you, absolutely nothing would happen. Because the radio does not work that way. I turned the knob to the right frequency to get the desired result to bring the frequency into where I can now hear it. I can only operate the radio to the extent that I have the knowledge. And I'll be honest with you, when I got this car, I sat down with the owner's manual to figure out how to work the radio and preset the stations. But once I had the stations preset, I could get them anytime I want to. I don't need to pray. I don't need to fast. I don't need to call the prayer chain. I don't need to get a word of prophetic utterance. The Father is tuning your receiver right now by cutting out soul and bringing in spirit. He's cutting all the static off the stations. He's, he's bringing all the voices out of your life but His voice. How did, how did Jesus work that? Jesus said, of my own self, I can do nothing, neither can we. He has to unveil. He has to teach us how to operate the radio. He has to show us how to preset the frequency to miracles and signs and wonders so that we can tune in. We can, we can move the dial. Now we go into, into Walmart and we in a wheelchair, turn the knob to the healing frequency like Jesus did. Listen, as he is, so are we in this world. There's no reason that that's not coming. It, is, it will be true. I don't know if in your lifetime, my lifetime, but within the body of Christ, that will be a way of life. And he's bringing us through that process right now. He's bringing us through it. We're leaving soul, we're entering into spirit, and it's raising our vibrational level. And it tunes us into the right frequency. It's no longer dichotomy of soul and spirit. It's union. It's one. The two worlds are merging into one. See, words set the frequency. Words raise the vibrational level. When we focus our attention, focused intention is powerful. God spoke the frequency of what he created as a result of his focused attention. He knew, he focused his attention on the first day, what he wanted, and he spoke it. And it manifested. See, the power is in the intention. Words speak intention into what you can see. Now, we're, we're co-creators. The power of life and death, the scripture says, is in our tongue. The words give life to our intention. Now, in the, in the charismatic world, we paid a lot, of, a lot of attention to our words. I think now he's helping us to see that we need to really, we really need to focus on intention. What is your real intention? Some of us don't know what our real intention is. We haven't decided yet what we really want. So we just, we just throw stuff out there. Whatever sticks on the wall, we're going to speak. I'd like a million dollars. I'll speak. What, what do you want? Why? Is that really your intention? Are you ready for the responsibility of what a million dollars would do for you? Are you are, do you really know what that would do to your life? It's like people that win the lottery. They have no idea what that opens up. 
You need to understand what your intention is. And that's where, that's where you need to get on the frequency with Him. He will tell you what intention is, where to focus intention. Then you can speak words, all right? We're co-creators. We've, we've entered this dimension. And I, and, I, and I wonder today, are we really ready to walk into this place that He's taking us? Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 21, John chapter 6 and verse 21, Jesus said this. Listen, <clears throat> he's got his disciples, got the guy sitting there. Uh, and in John chapter 6 and verse 21, it says, Then they willingly received Jesus into the boat. Watch, this is mind-blowing. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Are, are you ready for that? Can you handle that? Would, would you like your radio to be turned into that frequency? It would make travel a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? You say, well, well, that was Jesus. Well, we still think there's a veil, don't we? We still think there's something that separates us. Yeah, we read 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. We don't really believe that. So when you see something like John chapter 6, verse 21, nobody teaches about that because that, that is a dimension of total spirit. And for some people, it gets a little bit spooky. That's why I say things of the spirit are not logical to the soul. So what does he have to do to get us? He has to move us past the logic of the soul by eliminating those things. All of the things that feed your soul, he's cutting so that you can tune into a frequency of the spirit. Look at this, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. This, this is awesome. Acts chapter 8. i got a couple of good points to make about this. Acts chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 8. And let me pick it up with verse 48. Acts chapter 8 and verse 38. It says, speaking about Philip. It says, so uh, this is the little story with Philip and the, and the eunuch. So the guy commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and, and Philip baptized the eunuch. He let, you know, gave him the truth. Now watch this, verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now let me, let me just, you know, well, let me ask you, what dimension do you, think, do you think Philip was living in? Do you think he was living in soul or spirit? He baptizes this guy. He comes up out of the water and he's caught away. The spirit catches him away. See, we, we, we read that, but we go... That's mission impossible. That could, that, how does that work? Well, it's a, it's a work of the Spirit. So if those things are to work, we've got to come into spirit out of soul. Now I want to show you the backdrop of this. All right? That's the result of it. He baptizes the unit, gives him the good news, baptized, caught away. Now let me show you the backdrop of this. And you, you tell me. If, if Philip had entered a dimension of spirit or soul. Let's look at the backdrop of this in verse 26. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. And we're not talking about Jesus. We're not talking about Peter, James, and John. We're not talking about the Apostle Paul. We're talking about Philip. Philip was a regular guy. Philip, Philip was not one of the big three, Peter, James, and John. He wasn't Jesus. So you can't say, well, that's Jesus, or that was just the special, or, you know, Paul had a... No, we're talking about Philip. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. The angel of the Lord doesn't speak to us when we're in the realm of soul. And, 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 and the angel said, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now watch verse 27. So he arose and went. Now most of us, if we'd had an, incl an inclination to do that, we would have said, why, why are you telling me to do this? This makes absolutely no sense. This isn't logic. I'm not heading down some road. I don't even know where I'm going. Why, why, are, why are you pushing me to do this? Right? But Philip arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under uh, Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading Isaiah the prophet. Watch. Then the Spirit said to Philip, all right, first of all, the angel told Philip, now the Spirit is telling Philip. You think Philip was living in soul or spirit? Come on, body of Christ. He was, he was, this guy was immersed in spirit. He, he was tuned into the right frequency. His radio, his receiver was picking up. The Spirit said to Philip, go down and overtake the chariot. So what did Philip do? He said, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't even know this guy. I'm going to feel a little bit awkward running down and overtaking this guy's chariot. Verse 30, no, Philip ran, ran to him. He ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And then we pick it up and the guy said, I, I, how can I read unless somebody helps me? And he helped him and read and, you know, the, you know, the rest of the story. All right. Again, this wasn't Peter, James, John or Paul. This was Philip. Philip was a relative unknown like you and me, but the man moved out of soul. He listened, he listened to the receiver. The receiver caught. The angel spoke in verse 26. The spirit said in verse 29, and it was the spirit that caught him away at the end of the story. It was a spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication. Let me tell you something. It's not so much about words spoken. When it says, said, and the spirit said, I, can, I will assure you that it, I can't prove it, but I, I believe it was not an audible voice. It was an inner perception. It was an inner consciousness that, that Philip was sensitive to spirit and he knew exactly what to do. So the angel said, it, it could have been audible. If it was audible, it was even better. He still, he still had to make a determination to respond to it. Spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication is not about words spoken. It's about a transference of energy from spirit to your spirit. It's the moving of the internal working of the Father's heart to your heart. It's the spirit searching the deep desires of the Father and then raising our awareness, raising, raising our level, of how, however you want to term it, however you want to term it, to tune in to what the Father desires. Now listen. When the Father desires and you tune in to that frequency, you hear what he's saying and you respond like Philip did, I will assure you manifestation will take place.
I'm glad today Philip didn't run this thing through soul, aren't you? He never, he never would have accomplished. It's the Spirit searching. If, I, if, I, if I'm communicating with you this morning, you're hearing more than my words. I, I'm imparting the Christ that is within me to the Christ that is within you. There's a communication together back and forth. So when the Father through the Son and the Spirit speaks to you, it's transformational. It changes everything. They are imparting themselves to you through divine energy. They are awakening you past your mind. They are, they are awakening you to where we can, we can do this thing like Philip did. When the Spirit says, go down to Walmart, you go down to Walmart. When you get into Walmart, the angel will say, that guy over there, he needs $10. Give him $10. And you give him $10 and his life changes. They're awakening us past our mind to who we truly are. We're one with them. So that the, when the Spirit searches the deep things of the Father, listen, when the Spirit searches the deep things of the Father, the Spirit searches the depths of your heart, the two come together and you respond, you've just walked into another dimension. God's breaking through to us on new levels that will bring us experiences that will change us. He's drawing you higher, my friend. <laughs> he's drawing you so high that if you're afraid of heights, you've got to get over it. <laughs> That's how high he's taking you. He's not teaching us with vague promises. He isn't teasing us. He's in the process of possessing us fully. You are, you're, going, you're talking about being spirit-possessed. You're, you're going to be spirit-possessed all right. It's going to be the spirit of truth that possesses you. Are, are you ready? Are you ready for a brand new total life? Life that you've never experienced before. See, the Father's pouring out the world of spirit that will bring us to an experience as he continues to awaken us and expand us to hold more and more. He's bringing us forth as manifested sons and daughters. So my, 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 my final word this morning, and I'm done, is that you awaken and be fully conscious of what he's saying that as he ministers to you and pulls soulish ties out of your life, whatever has you connected to this world, and he snips it, don't resist it. Rest in it. Remember, grace is a divine influence that creates effortless change. And all he asks you to do is rest. Rest means you cease from your labors. You shut, you shut those soulish endeavors down. You realize how how little success they've brought you in the past. You shut them down fully. And you fall back into the, his arms of spirit. And you let him change you from glory to glory. You're manifesting. You're going to continue to manifest. And the fullness of that manifestation will be when you hear spirit as clearly and as strongly as you've heard the message of your five senses in days gone by. What an exciting time we live in. God bless you. Hope you got something out of this. Wednesday night, we'll pick it up. See you next Sunday morning, same time. The bomb drops at 10 a.m. Central Time at the Digital Cathedral. See you then. God bless.